This is episode 188 with Professor of Sport and Performance Psychology, Certified Mental Performance Consultant, and co-editor of the book, Excelling in Sports Psychology, Planning, Preparing, and Executing Applied Work, Professor Allison Pope Rodius. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and the episode you're about to listen to is all about your thinking and how to have a better mental relationship with the sport of running. Professor Allison Pope Rodius is an expert in applying sports psychology principles to the preparation of athletes, and we're focusing on the growth mindset, how to harness it in your life, and how it can be so important for your self-confidence. But before we start, I want to make sure we're all wearing the same uniform today. On this show, you can expect conversations between me and the thought leaders in the running industry, coaches, performance psychologists, elite athletes, registered dietitians, authors, and physical therapists. Our goal is to give you the knowledge, the mindsets, and the tools to elevate your running performances. Because when you better understand the process of improvement, when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage you'll be a wiser and more productive athlete. In addition to the podcast, you'll love our YouTube channel where we have hundreds of videos on weightlifting for runners, injury prevention, how to run with better form, and a lot more. Search Strength Running on YouTube, subscribe, and you'll see every video we publish on a weekly basis. And of course, if you've never visited strengthrunning.com, this is where it all began. Since 2010, we've been helping runners level up their training, race faster, prevent more injuries, and get stronger. You'll find our award-winning blog, our free email courses, and the full library of training programs and coaching services to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. This episode was made possible by Exoskin, a brand of high-tech apparel for runners. They make seamless apparel right here in the US of A that uses a patented knitting technology that works in all weather conditions, hot or cold. Check out all of what they offer at exoskin.us. Our guest today is Allison Pope Rodius, a professor of sport and performance psychology and certified mental performance consultant. She is the new program director for the Masters in Applied Sport and Performance Psychology at Holy Names University in California and co-editor of Excelling in Sports Psychology. One of her career highlights was traveling the world, working with elite archers and coaches, culminating in working with the U.S. team and the U.K. number one archer at the 2004 Olympics. She is renowned in her discipline and has been an active member of the Association for Applied Sports Psychology for many years and was made a fellow in 2018. In this conversation, we focus on the growth mindset, how to harness it to supercharge your running, common pitfalls to avoid, and specific strategies for incorporating this kind of training into your everyday running. If you'd like more on training your mind, go to strengthrunning.com slash brain for our free email course on mental fitness. Now, without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Professor Allison Pope Rodius. Allison, welcome to the show, and thank you for making some time today. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. Well, I would love to focus our conversation today on the growth mindset and how it applies to athletes, specifically runners. First, because I think it is critical to evaluate how we think about things. 
And second, I think it's mandatory for success as an endurance runner. I don't think you're going to get very far if you don't have a good growth mindset. But maybe we can start super high level here. What is the growth mindset? Good question. Well, you know, it's a it's a principle that has really um, gone across different sports. And obviously, today we're talking about running. Um, it was coined by the psychologist out of Stanford University, Carol Dweck, uh, a good couple of decades ago. And she did a lot of research, um, specifically starting out with children. And they were focusing on um, how do people learn and how do people view success and then how does that impact motivation? So the principles behind the growth and fixed mindsets are all geared towards helping people learn so that they can progress and that information then feeds into your motivation for next time. So a growth mindset is where people believe that they have the ability to change, that they can develop their ability. So focusing not just on effort, but also the process, um, whereas a fixed mindset, you believe that you pretty much are born with your talent. Um, you can train hard, but a lot of the um, changes that you're going to see are, are more fixed and you believe that that they are already fixed to some extent and you know at the at the extreme some people believe that they can't really change it that much so that's often where the problems come in so, and they often want to be good but not necessarily better so they're the people who often want to win very strongly but don't necessarily put everything together um, who, so that they know how to win. Um, but we come with both mindsets. So I don't want people to think that you are one or the other necessarily. We're typically higher in one than another, but we come with both because, you know, we're human beings. And um, so in reality, we're all a little we're all a little of both of the growth and the fixed mindset. Yeah, that's a good point. I think believing you're one or the other and that that is kind of how you think and how you are is probably an example of a fixed mindset, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, prob it probably is. Yeah. So I think what happens is, well, I know what happens is, you know, the environment that people are in at an early age. So parents, teachers, coaches, teammates this is where we get taught to have these mindsets. And often, um, you know, they can be of that fixed variety with a focus on winning at all costs and pushing that. And, and even, you know, praising effort isn't necessarily great if the effort wasn't that good in the first place. So don't praise something that isn't there is also, you know, a helpful thing to think about. I think we have a tendency to say, you did great, nice, nice job trying. Okay, but there's more there, you know, how are they going to change their skills on the basis of that? So it sounds like constructive criticism is an important part of developing a growth mindset, because then maybe you understand the areas that you have to improve. And hopefully you're getting the encouragement and the guidance 
to then actually improve on their those areas. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Constructive criticism is is huge, but before you get to constructive criticism, you've got to be able to take constructive criticism. So how do you get into the mindset of being okay with that? So this, again, this is where the growth piece comes in. Um, you can't suddenly be told, oh, you need to have a growth mindset. You have to develop it. You have to, you know, ideally we start at a, a young age and coaches are really useful in this situation where you're encouraging people to be really open about taking feedback and um, it's never personal. I'm not telling you that you're a bad person, but this information will help you ch- adapt and uh, learn better skills so that you can go on and and perform well and, and run fast and whatever it is, you know, because we're not trying to take people's motivation away from ultimately running for enjoyment, but also, of course, running to do better and, and running to to maybe even do well in races and and to even win races. So we're not saying those are bad things. We're saying, what do you have to do to get there is what a lot of people don't focus on. Now, of course, we're talking to a bunch of athletes right now, a bunch of runners, and they want to use this information to become better runners. But of course, the growth mindset doesn't apply just to athletics. It really applies to almost anything, doesn't it? The Anything that you could learn, anything that you could... Uh, grow into anything that really changes you, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I I work with um, perform. I like to call people performers because, uh, and I work also with um, performing artists, with musicians, uh, and not just in the athletic realm. So anytime that you're performing or anytime you're actually learning a new skill, this is, which we're doing consistently, hopefully each day, um, this is where a growth mindset comes in really useful so that you can open your, open your world up and shift. And, and sometimes that shift can be a little bit uncomfortable, but that's what's needed in order to, to make changes. And, um, but, you know, we have a tendency as human beings to not like change. You know, we, we like to sit in our comfort zone. So, cause it, it feels, it feels good and we don't have to do that much, but if we want to get better, we have to change, we have to adapt, and we have to be open to what that means. Uh, do we change our behavior? Do we change our thinking? Who do we need to help us in that process? You know, relying on your coaches and your teammates is definitely important. I don't think I'll ever forget my high school indoor track coach constantly telling us that we had to get out of our comfort zones when it came to racing. And I probably think of that advice every week or two now. <laughs> yeah. And and did you, I think the tricky thing is sometimes, you know, did you know what it meant at the time? You know, when I was in high school and they said some of those things, and sometimes they're a little bit cliche, it's, it's true, but I'm not sure that they always explain what they mean by that. So how does it feel to be out of your comfort zone? What is it? How should you be thinking in order to realize you're in your comfort zone? You know, a ton of work. If you do the work on awareness, that's really helpful because you have to realize you're in your comfort zone in order to be able to get out of it typically. So, um, you know, those kind of things are important. So, you know, when you were in high school, did you realize what he meant? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And I feel like I was very fortunate to have some pretty good running coaches when I was in high school. And, you know, I I tell this story, but of course, there was a little bit more to it. You know, he would take us aside at certain points and really talk to us about what that would mean. And specifically to racing, he would talk about how, you know, you have to take risks sometimes. You have to do things that you haven't done before. You know, maybe you take the lead from the gun, maybe you surge. 800 meters from the finish line instead of 600 meters from the finish line. And so there's a lot of opportunities within races to be more aggressive, to do things that you're truly not comfortable doing, because only through that process will you become a more skilled racer. And I do think racing is a skill that runners have to develop. So yeah, I was very grateful for that. And, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, I think it is that kind of more general advice, but still, you know, we can really unpack that and look at some things that are really helpful for runners um, to get them doing things that, you know, are a little bit scary because that's where all the growth happens. Yeah. And and I wonder if they have to be scary, though. Do they, do they always have to be? I would argue a true growth mindset also realizes that not all those situations have to be scary if you if you're a true believer you're actually it sounds kind of weird but I think you can get the growth mindset to be your comfort to some extent so be comfortable being uncomfortable have you heard that phrase oh of course yeah so it's an interesting shift Um, because we do say, yeah, this is work and yeah, you have to then get out of your comfort zone. Um, but as human beings, we like comfort. So how do we get people over into that mindset is that it's natural. It's not all uncomfortable. Some of it you'll really enjoy. You'll definitely enjoy the outcome because you'll ultimately be running better and faster um but it's going to take a little bit of process but let's find the nuggets of joy almost along the way so that you can develop your growth mindset so growth mindset doesn't have to be a an onerous thing yeah for sure and and i think sometimes in running it can seem that way because you know running can be a, an uncomfortable sport you have to push yourself when you know your brain is screaming at you to to slow down or stop But, you know, some of those risks, you know, I'll put risk in quote here, but some of those challenges, those risks, those, you know, quote unquote, scary things that you might want to do in a race, um, you know, they're certainly worth it. And I think the more that you do it, the more you realize that it's not really that scary. You know, it can seem that way, but after a while it becomes, you know, part of your, part of your racing style, part of your mindset, you know, part of the way that you you know, compete against other runners in a race. And so it can be a really transformative, um, you know, uh, type of mindset to have. I often say that, you know, um, showing that level of concern shows that you care. So does your reaction always have to be negative or, um, you know, often people are anxious before they run, um, especially in races? It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to, you don't have to have that interpretation of the the feelings that you have. It, it could be that you're exactly where you need to be. You're exactly working on your growth mindset, but you know, it, it's a shift to get to that point. Yeah, for sure. And I, I do want to talk about how to make some of those shifts and, and some of the strategies where we can, you know, better develop this kind of a mindset as we're going through our training. But can we, I would love to back up and maybe talk a little bit more about some, some specifics 
And maybe you can give some examples of when an athlete is demonstrating a growth mindset, you know, in a specific circumstance and and when an athlete is not demonstrating a growth mindset. Yeah. When they're not, when they're, uh, have a fixed mindset, um, really you can, um, and again, this, this is for all of us. Um, you're focusing primarily on the outcome. So if you ask somebody, how do you want to, you know, what are you thinking about the race today? And you ask them what their goals are, and it could be um, very outcome oriented. So with running, obviously, it's it's racing and it's positions. Uh, are there any other outcomes that I'm not aware of? Some athletes want to finish a certain distance, especially if it's their first time at a distance or if it's an ultra marathon distance, for sure. So finishing times and uh, placement. Those are the more performance-oriented goals, for sure. Yeah. So if we're focusing on outcomes, those are definitely the the keys. Those are your little flags to identify that somebody um, is is thinking in that way. They believe that success comes as a result of typically how they do in comparison to somebody else. So it's the it's the comparison piece that is important to 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 listen to as somebody. Um, if you're trying to coach somebody in these situations, when they're talking about either beating particular people or especially um, that that outcome of where they place, um, and they're they're focusing on the outcome as a pros as opposed to the process goals and the more time based and breaking um, the race down into stages, um, possibly berating themselves about not being good enough. Um, they're typically anxious. I would say those people who have a fixed mindset, um, there are perfectionist tendencies as well that come along with the the fixed mindset. And um, unfortunately, these are the people who will often drop out um, because eventually they get to the point, and we're talking at the extreme level, but the people who drop out, they don't believe that their ability can change that much. So eventually they get to the point of, well, what's the point? Because they're focusing on the outcome and they're um, they're not believing that what they do will necessarily change their ability. So um, that's at the that's at the furthest extreme of uh, what can happen. Yeah. And I can see how having that sort of mindset, it can be so limiting. And thank you for kind of giving us an overview of some warning signs that we might be able to see and and identify so that if if we're maybe going down that road, we can maybe pull ourselves back a little bit. Now, Allison, in running, you know, we runners experience so many challenges, whether it's injuries, you know, canceled races for sure over the last year or so, um, to the fact that running can be such a, a difficult sport as an endurance sport. How can the growth mindset help us overcome some of these challenges to make them a little bit more manageable so that we maybe don't get so down on ourselves, don't get so negative, and, and maybe come out of some of these challenges feeling stronger and, and maybe even more confident in ourselves? Yeah, I think it's a great question. So um, a growth mindset at its very core, it argues that if you think you can influence the outcome and, and what's going to happen next, you're more likely to try. So that's the whole philosophy about this um, way of thinking is if you think 
you can change your ability by trying certain skills and getting better on those skills, that will influence your motivation for next time. And you're more likely to try because you think, so you, you can see that it's very cyclical. So focusing on the process, focus on, on the tiny, small, controllable goals that are really important in training and in races as well can be really helpful. So going over what are all the things that you have control over. And, and you can come up with a long list if you focus on small things. It could be around pace goals. It could be nutrition. It could be hydration, sleep goals. Um, you want to keep a journal. Uh, what are you going to put in that journal? Learning how to relax, learning how to breathe, making a long list of all the things that you have control over typically can be really useful. And then what you can do with that information is you can pick out some of the areas that you feel are strengths, because I think we have a tendency to focus more on the areas that we're not good at, but it's important to focus on well, what are your strengths, what are you good at, because that fills you with confidence. And then in addition, where are your biggest challenges? When you rate yourself on each of these little small controllable goals, how do you think you're doing on each of those? You could do a one to 10 or a one to five. Uh, and then you can identify what those areas are. So I, I would focus so much on the process and on those small controllable goals and, and just reinforcing that as much as possible. Because if you think you can influence the outcome, you're more likely to try and your motivation will just keep going. And that will push you not only in training, but also in a race. You know, Allison, this is making me think of when I first started running, one of the things that I really loved about running was, you know, I experienced all this progress at first. And I started running as a cross-country freshman in high school. And very quickly, I learned that most things in the sport I do have control over. And I think that's what I love about running so much. I don't have any control over my genetic talent that I was born with, but almost everything else I can influence the outcome. I can run smarter workouts. I can pace myself better. And your advice to focus on the process and, and really make a list of all of the tiny controllable goals that you might have, I think is just fantastic because on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, runners have a training schedule that they're following. And even if that training schedule says today is an off day, just recover, rest, you don't have any exercise scheduled you can control how well you recover based on your nutrition, your sleep patterns, how hydrated you're staying, and whether you're reducing stress and anxiety in your life. And for me, that was so exciting. I can not only control my training, but I can control my recovery from the training and every little detail about my running. And I, I think the, the ability for me to have so much control was one of the reasons why I loved running in the first place. Yeah, I think that's I think that's interesting. Do uh, maybe you're somebody who likes to have control in uh, other situations as well. But how it's so empowering when you feel you're more in control. And again, that feeds into the system of well, if I have the power to change this, I have the control. Therefore, I can do better. Therefore, I can run faster and and enjoy it more. And okay. 
there's elements, of course, there's going to be uncomfortable. This is running. But I know that I can push myself because I have control over these areas. And I think it's so empowering to do that. And the idea of control uh, is really helpful from a psychological perspective because it has a massive impact on the way that we feel about ourselves, the way that we feel about our, envi- our environment, the people around us. It feeds into confidence. And again, motivation into the next time we run and you just feel like, okay, well, I can do this because these are the areas where I have control. Yeah, you're so right. And and maybe that's true. Maybe I do want a little <laughs> bit more control in my life and and running was a way for me to find that. Um, yeah, this this might turn into a therapy session, Allison. You're going to have to charge me a copay. <laughs> <laughs> if only I did therapy. So. <laughs> Um, so I want to talk more about, you know, some specific concrete strategies for, for building this skill and kind of trying to get out of that more deterministic fixed mindset. Before we do though, are there any mistakes or areas where athletes might go wrong while they're trying to build their growth mindset? Um, what are some of those, you know, unproductive strategies that won't really help athletes very much? Yeah, I think it's, you know, similar to what I've said in terms of focusing on the outcome alone. I would say don't don't necessarily give yourself a hard time for wanting to do well and wanting to win and and and, and wanting to place in a certain position and certainly wanting to finish. Um so focusing on the outcome per se is not a bad thing, but focusing only on the outcome is the key that you want to avoid. So outcome is fine, in addition, you have to focus on the process in order to progress. Otherwise, you're not sure why you got the outcome you got. So you can't learn from that necessarily. So by focusing on the process, it builds the picture in terms of what do I need in order to do that? So uh, if you're always wanting to win, but you don't know how what you have to do to get there, that's not going to be ultimately helpful. Um, wanting to win is fine, but also, you need to know, well, what does it take in order to do that? I think um, being told by coaches that effort was great when it wasn't, I think, is something that we have to try and avoid because there's a, you know, there's a misconception around the growth mindset sometimes. And, and Carol Dweck has written about this as well. If you focus on praising effort that wasn't really there, you know, are you praising them just for showing up? Are you praising them to do it half-assed, as it were? So, you know, um, or is there more to it than that? Do you want more? Do you expect more? And I think that's really helpful. The key is to gain skills and then find resources and progress towards the goals. Being told you can do anything is not necessarily helpful because what do I do with that information? It sounds it sounds good and it sounds positive, but it's not actually very helpful and productive. What, where do I go with that? What how what kind of goals can I do set around that? Um, so I think those are can be helpful. Yeah, and I'm always very hesitant and and cautious about folks who say you can do anything you put your mind to. You know all that kind of advice because that's not actually true and. You know, I, I always feel like I'm being sold a bill of goods when people tell me that. It's like, no, I want you to be realistic with me. 
there's obviously things I'm never going to, I'm never going to run a four minute mile and that's okay. (laughs) But I want any coach I have to be very honest with me. And I think that honesty can go a long way with building trust and giving the athlete a really good realistic view of, of what they might be capable of. Um, okay. So, so let's get to the great stuff, Allison, where can we go really right in building this skill. We've talked a lot about focusing on the process, focusing on what we can control. Are there other strategies that help us open up our mind and really give us the confidence to think that we can, you know, change and go accomplish our goals that we haven't yet accomplished? Yeah. Well, actually, you know what? You just we used one of the key words that I I I think is really important is the word yet. So if you use the word yet, what does that what does that do to the way you're, that you're thinking? Well, I am thinking that I just haven't accomplished whatever I'd like to accomplish yet. But if I put in the work, if I'm strategic with that work and, and I have a good plan, I think I could reasonably accomplish whatever it might be, whether that's a running goal or, or some other goal. So what you've done is open the door to opportunity. So you haven't closed the door by using a fixed mindset. So automatically by saying yet, you have a growth mindset because you have opened your mind to there's a possibility that I can do this in the future. So I think that can be really helpful. Um, straight off, I'm a big believer um, and the, the research obviously helps with this in in learning more about yourself. So in order to change something, you often have to identify what it is that you want to change. So learn to notice yourself in either mindset. So you can do that um, either passively, uh, uh, you can ask other people to help you uh, along the way in, in identifying these areas. If you're a runner, you can ask your coach to help you if they understand the different mindsets. You can keep a journal as well. So learning to notice yourself in either mindset, because again, you're going to have a combination of both. You're not always going to be gro- have a growth mindset. You're certainly not perfect because we're all human beings. So notice when does it happen? What's the situation in which it happens? Where were you when it happens? And how did you react? How did you feel? How did you think? What did you notice about yourself? What are you learning about yourself on the way? So I think that can be really helpful in uh, the first part. Then once you understand a little bit more about your own mindset, you're reflecting on it, you're almost welcoming uh, it in as well to some extent. Uh, Even the fixed side, it's who you are. um, You know, you reflect on it. Carol Dweck talks about naming it, and then you can shift it. So it's almost like a mindful exercise that you, where you, I don't know if you've ever done these kind of exercises where you're practicing some kind of mindful strategies and you're noticing the thoughts that are coming through your mind. And you can do the same with the mindset. So notice when you're in that fixed mindset. And you can name it. You can even literally give it a name if you want. And some people, and she talks about this in her book, you know, um, giving it some kind of identity can take away its power to some extent. And then you can do something a bit more concrete about it. You can give it a funky name if you want to or a regular name. And I think that's 
pretty interesting. I also think it's important to notice, are you thinking more with a fixed mindset um, when you're under pressure or when you're getting tired? How Do you notice that your thinking shifts as you run through a race? I think that can be really ha- uh, helpful. I really like the journaling idea, Allison, because you know most runners do keep a training log, whether that's an analog log in a notebook. I'm looking at my collection of about 12, 12 years of training logs next to me from when I was in high school and college, or they're doing it online, maybe on Strava. Is, is that a good place for, for runners to reflect on you know, the harder workouts, the long runs, the races, and, and those moments when you know, we might have, you know, some sort of quote unquote mental weakness and and start developing signs of this fixed mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And I, me personally, I wouldn't call it a weakness because, um, that, you know, it's hard to change a weakness. Um, you can, can you go back and strengthen it? Sure. But if you see it as a challenge and a growth opportunity, sounds like you're, you know, um, you're making something shift slightly, but yeah, that's what you're doing. You change the way that you think about something. Um, it can have a massive impact. I think it's important to journal every time you train and every time you race because you, um, and you're not just writing down the stats. You're also focusing on how do you feel? And a really important question for me when you're keeping this kind of reflective journal as well is, well, what did you learn about yourself in this process? What did you learn today? And and the more you focus on that, you can piece out the growth versus the fixed mindset moments, if you like. So I think, yeah, I think it's really helpful. So um, I like that. uh, I like journaling. I think that's a good way, good way to go. Aside from journaling, you know, after every training session and trying to kind of pick up on patterns with your, you know, your, your mental approach to the sport, do you recommend before say big races or workouts, you know, maybe there's a, you know, an epic long run that you're doing as you're getting ready for an ultra marathon. Do you recommend going back and maybe looking over some of those entries to make sure that you're not falling into some of the same mindset traps that you might have before? How do you think about, you know, going through the the older entries to then improve on your future performances. Yeah, I think to some extent if you if you grew from that opportunity, don't um I think people sometimes have a tendency to go back and and possibly berate themselves for not doing better. So I think if you find it useful, then it's a good thing. Um then it can help your thinking and it can help you feel better and you can le- are you truly learning from that? maybe highlighting the areas that um, you really were able to shift. And what that does is remind you that you can do it. You can make that shift. You can adapt. You can have a growth mindset. You can focus on your skills. Your ability isn't fixed. So, yeah, I think it can work. You just have to be careful on what you're looking back to and, and don't necessarily dwell on the times that it didn't go well, unless you identified how you learned from that experience but people have a tendency unfortunately to focus on the things that they didn't do well and and think that that's the most helpful thing to do and it it isn't always um so i think just being careful about going back yeah that that's a good point and and how do you maybe we can unpack this a little bit how do you kind of 
straddle that important line of not dwelling on a poor performance or a time when you didn't perform the way you wanted to, but at the same time, you're learning from it. You're, you go back on it and you say, okay, I made this mistake this time. I'm going to really work on this. And, and I think I have a chance to, you know, be great at this particular skill this time around. How do you kind of balance those two competing goals? I think if you tap into how it feels, you know, I think we, uh, I just use the word think. We have a tendency to be in our head very often. And I, I think if you can focus on, okay, how did it feel when I did and had that outcome? How do I feel when I made the shift? What did I learn about myself? And it, it takes a bit of practice to focus on, feelings instead of thinking because we have a tendency to analyze and to um, help ourselves feel better by thinking a different way but how how does it actually feel and and there's a skill to it so being able to tap into what's my physical reaction as I think about these things not not focusing on what do I think about it but where do, do I feel something in my stomach? Is it in my chest? Is it in my, do my hands feel a little bit more sweaty as I start thinking about it? If Do you have no reaction to it at all? Honestly, then it wasn't that important to you. So having some kind of emotional reaction and then paying attention to that, I think can be the key to unpacking it more. I like that. Now, Allison, one aspect of the growth mindset that I think is really interesting is that, you know, if you have more of a this kind of a mindset, you're probably not always out to prove yourself to other people and to yourself. You know, you know you're on the right path. You're patiently building your fitness. You're growing. And, and that means that you're okay with maybe having a bad workout. You're fine with uh, another runner passing you on, a, on an easy recovery run, or you're comfortable taking time off after a goal race because you know that that's part of the plan. Can a growth mindset help improve your, your self-confidence in this way? It def- yeah, it definitely can. A growth mindset can. Every way of thinking and feeling before you train and, be, and during and before and during races and after can have an impact on uh, your self-confidence. So for me, the focus is back to control because if you feel in control, not only does that impact your motivation for the future, but it also impacts, um, we know that that has a massive impact on the way that you feel about yourself and therefore how confident you feel about being able to make the changes. I think consistency is also really important because then you're able to learn from it and tweak it for next time. So learning is the key. You can also project self-confidence. I'm a big believer in um, looking the part, you know, faking it till you make it, I think actually goes a long way in terms of um, helping people feel confident as well. So growth mindset is one element that can help you feel more confident. And the reason behind that is because you're focusing on control um, and consistency. And that is going to make you feel great. If you know that 
what you did, what you achieved, because you focused on a small process goal along the way, if you achieved that, you think, well, I can, that's great. I can see if I can do it again. And then if you can do it consistently over and over uh, and then keep increasing the difficulty, that's huge in terms of how you feel about yourself and, and your self-confidence. Um, so another another strategy that I just wanted to mention um, for getting yourself into that growth mindset is um, something you can do is deliberately handicap yourself, which might seem contra, uh, you know, contrary to the idea of racing, but um, I know some running coaches who deliberately force the runners to start the race late. So that they have to play catch up the entire time. And what that does is remove the ability to compare yourself to somebody else because you're, you know, you're doing your thing and it forces you to be more focused on what you're doing and your goals. So it's very deliberate. Um, and it's very interesting in terms of, um, how that impacts the way that you think and feel as a runner. So it's very contra-indicative. Indica- is that the right phrase? Um, or, <laughs> it is now. <laughs> it is now. Um, so for getting yourself obviously ready for racing, you're like, what? I'm going to start late? Yeah, but purposefully. And obviously you're not going to do it for you know a race that you, you want to place in a, in a certain position. But it's interesting to, to do those kind of challenges because, again, you're trying to control the environment you can, and you're trying to not only make yourself feel uncomfortable, but um, it takes away that element of comparison. So that can be really useful as well. The idea of self-handicapping yourself in a race might seem blasphemous to a lot of runners, but I know. You know, I had coaches both in high school and college who did exactly that. You know, not every race was a 100% maximum effort. And while we never started late. I think we might have been disqualified. We did things like, you know, in a, a five-mile cross-country race, the first three miles are going to be at a tempo effort, you know, which is a sub-maximum. It's not a race effort. And then at the three-mile mark, now the team's going to go. So we're going to stay together for most of that three miles. And, and then the last two miles, you're going to race your heart out and see what happens. And, and it's just a great way of, number one, making sure that you're running your own race because everyone on our team knew that we weren't really racing today the same way that we usually do. It's kind of a workout. And and that took a lot of pressure off ourselves to perform at a certain level. You know, you're more than halfway in the race before you really have to start racing the effort. And uh, I think it also does a great job of, you know, taking racing off of the pedestal that a lot of runners put it on. You know, they, they only run two marathons a year. They don't run a lot of races. You know, they, they think that they're intimidating. And what I loved about my early running career was that we ran so many races and we didn't take all of them seriously. And so that made me just think that not all racing was you know, this thing that I had to be afraid of, that I had to produce all this anxiety. So I think it's a wonderful strategy for, you know, building your growth mindset and also helping you just kind of grapple with the difficulty of racing. I think there's a lot to like about this strategy. Yeah, because, you know, ultimately we want people to be healthy too. So it's not race at all costs. It's enjoy what you can. And in addition, you know, if you're, 
if you're good enough, you'll also be a, a fast runner. And can you be faster? Absolutely. Can you be the fastest? Well, it, you know, it, that depends on other elements as well. But can you do better each time you race and, and focus on comparing yourself to yourself? That's growth mindset. Whereas comparing yourself to somebody else consistently, not always helpful. And that comparison can can sometimes hold you back. So yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty interesting about the way that we can use this, but ultimately it's about learning learning skills and how to help people be open to the idea of change. Um, yeah, so that's that's it's all about how to learn. Learn. One of the keys for me is with this mindset is learn how to learn. Yes, and I love I that. Think people don't always want to learn how to learn because they want to be told what to do so show me what to do and then I'll do it well I want you to learn how to learn how to do this because ultimately that will be more empowering for you you'll feel better about yourself and then you'll be able to learn more about yourself as you go and therefore your skills will get better and therefore your times will get better so it just feeds but you know you have to do that um in small increments, I think. Yes, it's certainly an iterative process and you get a little bit better at a time. You're constantly learning a little bit more about the sport itself and and about yourself. And over time, gradually, yeah, you can absolutely become a much better runner. Allison, this has been just fantastic. Uh, I learned a lot and I, I love talking about how we think about our thinking and some of these meta-learning processes because I think you know, knowledge is a competitive advantage. The more we know about the sport, the more we know about ourselves, the better runners we're going to be. Before we wrap, do you have any other final words on on how runners might further develop this growth mindset for themselves as they get ready for hopefully an upcoming summer or fall racing season this year? Absolutely. Um, the first thing I would do is if you want to know more about this is read Carol Dweck's book. <laughs> I have no shares in her book. Um, I wish I did. Uh, she sold a couple of a million copies already. So the book is called Mindset and it's by Carol Dweck. It's, it's a pretty easy, uh, relatively um, easy read and, and shouldn't take you too long. And that will get the information from the horse's mouth as it were, because there's a lot of misconceptions out there and there's a lot of myths and there's a lot of um, miscommunication about what a growth mindset is because it's a very uh, tangible concept. Um, but I think people sometimes put it into give the wrong spin, spin on it and the interpretation. So um, we have our students uh, reading this right now. So it's a really important book to read. So I would always say go to the horse's mouth and avoid the misconceptions. People who are out there pretending to be mental skills coaches and are not necessarily, go to, go to the information. Learn how to learn. Um, I also think celebrate the times that you grew as much as the times that you won is also very helpful. And I think we downplay those sometimes. And um, parents and coaches can be really helpful instead of asking, how did you, did you win today? Asking, you know, if they weren't necessarily there um, or asking about training, 
ask how they did, how did they how did they feel after it, you know, focusing on how things feel physically and inside your body. How does it how does it feel in your head? How does it feel in your heart? What what do you think you are learning about yourself? You can do that from a pretty young age. Um I also think it's really important to think about becoming more coachable. The more coachable you are, the greater chance that you're going to have a growth mindset. And obviously coaches are going to love that because <laughs> that's really helpful. Um, and believe in the importance of change and growth because stagnation is the death of high performance. Um, I think one top, the top tip that I mentioned was using the word yet is really helpful because it opens the door of opportunity to change and learn. And so it's a simple shift. And then you can just add that onto the end of your sentences. I don't have the skills to run X time yet. And then typically you'll follow that up with, but I think by this date, I think I can get there. So um, learning about yourself and then accepting that you can change and then proactively look for those opportunities to grow and adapt. So finding those through the, the journaling process will help as well. So it's, it's learning more and more about yourself along the way. I love it. And as someone who used to think he was fairly uncoachable or not very coachable, <laughs> uh, I really appreciate that now that I'm a, a running coach. And, you know, you mentioned Carol Dweck's book, Mindset, and I just, it sounded so familiar to me. And I'm looking over at my bookshelf in my stack of books that I haven't read yet. I have Mindset, The New Psychology of Success, How We Can Learn to Fulfill Our Potential by Carol S. Dweck. I have it right here but I haven't read it yet. I'm so excited to now after your glowing endorsement. Um, now, I also understand, Allison, that you are starting up a new program. That sounds very exciting. And uh, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I my day job, uh, most of the time now, I'm a professor in sport and performance psychology. So I have just started with a, a team of amazing individuals. We've just started a new master's degree in applied sport and performance psychology. We're out of Holy Names University in Oakland, California, and we're fully online and outside of COVID will also be on campus and you can, or you can do a hybrid. And being trained in this area is so important because anybody can read a book and then, then use those skills on other people. But it's more important to understand um, how to listen, how to help people with their motivation, with their confidence, how to identify red flags. There, there, there's a lot of skills um, in terms of the sport and performance psychology side of things. So my degree, uh, master's degree, enables people to be practitioners in the field. So uh, the curriculum is completely aligned with the requirements for certified mental performance consultant, which is the only credible credential in the US. And that is run by the Association for Applied Sports Psychology. Um, so if anybody wants any further information about the master's, we also have a certificate for people who are coaches or trainers who want to know a little bit more about sport and performance psychology. 
and that's just five classes with us. Again, you can take it online or if you're local to Oakland, you can um, be here with us. So we're really excited about it. We're just in our second semester and uh, come and find us. Well, that's very exciting. Uh, I'm going to include links to all kinds of resources in our show notes on the Strength Running site. Allison, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And that concludes my conversation with Professor Allison Pope Rodius. Go ahead and leave a review in Apple Podcasts if you found this episode helpful and have been getting value from the podcast. Those reviews help us reach more runners, and I would be very grateful. And a big shout out to Exoskin for making this episode possible. They're excited about launching a men's baseliner and a women's lightweight pair of shorts in the next few weeks. The announcement's going to come on their social media pages at Exoskin USA, so don't miss out on that. And they're also offering 20% off your order with code SR at checkout at exoskin.us. I'm fortunate to have discovered Exoskin a few months ago because they're making innovative apparel for hard-charging athletes. They use a patented knitting technology that keeps you warm in the winter and cool in the summer. And I recently made the mistake of thinking their gear was only for the winter, but it's actually been used in Death Valley races. The heat dissipation must be good. And it may also be so versatile because their patented knitting technology reduces the risk of chafing, blisters, and hot spots. I'm also loving the fact that they have powerful anti-odor properties, so my wife isn't complaining about my gear stinking up the house anymore. They use both copper and a synthetic treatment to both reduce the odor and friction and wick away moisture. Plus, it's molecularly bonded, so it doesn't come out in the wash, which is great. It means it's much more durable, it's much more longer lasting. In fact, my rep at Exoskin told me about a client of his who has worn the same pair of socks for three months without washing them. Just a few rinses with water every week, and they still don't smell. Now, I'm not going to go to those lengths with my testing. I will take his word for it, but I would love to hear. <laughs> I would love to hear from you if you do something similar. Check them out at exoskin.us, and be sure to use code SR to save 20% on your order. That's exoskin.us to see all of their shirts, tights, socks, compression sleeves, and more. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Run strong, everyone. We'll be in touch soon.